Welcome to the Beach Catholic Podcast with Father Brian Barr. As always, in this podcast, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Sunday's Gospel, as well as Father Brian Barr's homily. After the homily, this is the first week that we'll be going to our weekly question and answer segment, where we answer your questions. To submit a question, you can send an email to beachcatholicpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, we never use any names or email addresses in the podcast, so all questions are anonymous. So let's jump into the gospel from April 2nd, 2017, the fifth Sunday of Lent. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. The sisters of Lazarus sent word to Jesus saying, Master, the one who you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sisters and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. Martha said, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I've come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. He became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, Well, where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Couldn't the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man wouldn't have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave. And a stone lay across it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there'll be a stench. She's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he had done began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. So I was, uh, I was teaching this class, this is probably about 12 years ago, I'm thinking. It was uh, an adult ed class in the parish. It was kind of like a five consecutive Tuesday nights. Uh, each night we had a different topic, and maybe 20 people or so came to these classes each night, each week. Um, this particular night, uh, we were talking about the New Testament. And specifically, we were talking about the miracles of Jesus. And I, I, I described how there were different types of miracles, kind of like uh, 
physical miracles, spiritual miracles. A couple of weeks ago, the woman at the well, uh, that was a spiritual healing there. I mean, she didn't need anything physically to be changed, but her heart and her soul. Last week, it was the guy who was uh, blind. That was a physical healing. I also talked about like what they meant. You know, a lot of these miracles had meanings behind them. It wasn't just to reveal his power. It was part of it, but it was usually more. Anyway, uh, I'm kind of talking, and there was this woman in the group. Uh, she's very, very involved in the parish. Uh, a good lady. Um, she, she had a lot to say. Um, she never really shut up, to be honest with you. It was just any time I would quiet down, her hand went up and. Um, she was just very, very sure of herself. She had very strong opinions and uh, too sure, to be honest. Um, anyway, she described, went on to describe some of the you know, miracles that she's experienced or stories of miracles that she believes to be absolutely true. And I remember this particular one, she mentioned, um, I think it was her neighbor's son who was in Boston on the morning of September 11th. And in fact, he was supposed to be on a plane that was ultimately hijacked. Um, he was leaving his apartment. He had called for a cab. He's getting ready to get in his cab. He meets somebody on the street that he knows who needed to catch a cab for something very important, a job interview or something, I forget. So he said, well, and he was going in the other direction. So he said, take my cab. It'll be here in a minute. So the guy does. And he is now waiting. He calls another cab and he, and he waits to get picked up. Well, this cab was delayed significantly, so much so that uh, he, missed the, he missed the flight and saved his life as a result. Um, and this woman believed that to be an absolutely miracle. Um, anyway, maybe there was another comment or two, and then, in the, and, then, and then in the back of the room, this guy raises his hand, and it was really the first time he had ever said anything, at least I think that was the case, and he said, uh, he absolutely was addressing the 9-11 comment, and he said, uh, you know, my niece's husband was a city fireman, and he died that day. So do you think God just ran out of miracles and uh, kind of looked at her and uh, was kind of irritated and he silenced her for which I was grateful, <laughs> which if you knew this woman, that was a miracle in and of itself. Right? <laughs> but he, um, I think he made a really good point, this guy, um, I've always kind of struggled a bit with the miracle stories personally. I believe them. I don't, I don't doubt I don't, for a minute that they happened. But I'm also kind of confused by them. I, uh, really, that guy's point has sort of always been my kind of question. So, so it's like your neighbor's son make, makes it, but my niece's husband doesn't. And it's all because of a miracle? Like, I'm just, I'm just not sure I buy that. Um, 
what does that say to the, the widow of the fireman? God was just more focused on the guy in Boston that morning? I just think it's kind of simplistic. Remember the scene in uh, one of my favorite movies is Jaws. I just, I love it. I just think it's, I could watch it forever. And uh, there's a scene in it, great scene, kind of a frightening scene. I guess it's the second shark attack when all the people are on the beach and uh, kids are in the water and the sun is out. And then there's this brutal attack. And uh, this is a very iconic scene. Um, people are just fleeing, running, and screaming. And people are running into the water trying to f grab their kids and pull them out. People in the water are running out of the water. It's, it's chaos. Everybody's running for safety. And then the camera goes to this mom who's standing on the, on the sand. And she's looking for her son. And uh, she's calling out for him. And she's like, literally, kind of like spinning around, just searching. She's, she's looking at the sand. She's looking at the water. And then the camera goes to this air mattress that uh, washes up in the surf. And it's deflated and it's torn to pieces. And she realizes her son's not coming back. Um, like I think of that mom. The image of this mother. Like, what, is, what does she think about miracles? So, like, it was a miracle for all the people who made it out of the water, but not for that mom? And I'm just, I, don't, I just don't think God is so arbitrary. I just don't think it. Some people are lucky and some people aren't. I mean, look at, look at this miracle story that I just read, Lazarus. I mean, it's probably the most famous of his miracles. He had healed, he had, well, he had healed a bunch of people. He had even raised a couple of people from the dead before this. But this one gets a lot of attention. You know, the movies, the Jesus movies, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, greatest story ever told. This scene is always part of those movies because it's just kind of high drama. This guy's dead, he's, he's in the tomb, Jesus shows up, he tells him to come out, he comes walking out, he's got these bandages on him. It's definitely something a director's going to want to film. Who's this story for? That's really maybe my question. Is it just for the lucky ones? Does it just so confirm something that the lucky people already knew, the, the Marthas and the Marys? The people who got out of the water? The guy who missed his plane because he gave up his cab? For those people? Yeah, maybe they're at, they're at Mass on Sunday. They hear this gospel. They think of their story and they're like, yeah, Jesus just, it was miracle time. Jesus saves. Jesus heals. Jesus cares. And he does all of those things. But how about if you're the mother on the beach? Or you're the widow of that fireman? What are you hearing today when you're like, I, I, there was no miracle for us that day.
Take it away from the woman on the beach. Take it away from the 9-11 widow. Bring it to your life. Times when we prayed for things. And it seemed to just not be heard. When you prayed that the, the tumors would shrink. Well, before that, you prayed that the tumors would come back benign. And neither happened. They weren't benign, and then they didn't shrink. And you prayed like crazy for both. You prayed that the bullying would stop. And it didn't. Maybe it got worse. You prayed for the job interview to go well. And you didn't even get a, you didn't even get a call saying you didn't get it. You didn't even get that courtesy. Forget getting the job. You prayed for the, the loneliness or the sadness to go away. And it really didn't. You know, you might hear this story, this Lazarus story, and be like, well, I, all right. Yeah, for the lady on the beach, good for her. And for the guy in Boston, good for him. But for, for me, it doesn't really help. Because my prayers really, I didn't get the miracle I needed. Maybe this gospel is just for the lucky ones. It's for Martha and Mary and Boston guy and Jaws lady. Maybe that's all this gospel's for. I don't think so. I think that would be a mistake to think, well, I, I just wasn't lucky, so I guess it doesn't apply to me. I think it does. Because it's, really, it's not really about Lazarus being brought back to life. It's about eternal life, not really Lazarus' life. You know what I think was going on in this gospel? It was very pr practical. It was very strategic on Jesus' part. I think it's real simple. I think he was saying this, and he basically does in this the little prayer, right as Lazarus is coming out of the tomb, he, he kind of thanks the Father. But I think his, his, his objective was very simple. It wasn't even so much that they were friends. It wasn't like, well, here's my buddy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do him a, a solid favor. I don't think God operates that way. He gives special favors to his friends, but those who happen not to know him, you know, good luck. I think this was, this was Jesus' M.O. It was like, if I raise this guy from the dead, they're going to listen to me. They're going to follow me. They're going to believe me. They're going to believe in who I am if they see me raise this dead guy because they knew he was dead. Interesting, it was four days. Jewish people in those days thought for three days, like the soul of a dead person was still within them. So they weren't you know, the physically dead but spiritually not. They weren't completely dead. But by day four, you were done. It's no coincidence he waits to day four. And we're told it was day four. I think it was this. I raised this guy from the dead. They're going to believe me. They're going to believe what I have to say. And what does he have to say? What's the point of this? It's all about heaven. It's all about getting to heaven. This life matters, but the next one matters more. If the next one doesn't happen, then this one was a waste of time. It's about eternal life, not Lazarus' life. 
Why does he wait the two extra days? Think about that. People show up, they say, your buddy Lazarus is dying. And he's like, okay. And he hangs out where he is for two more days. People would be like, are you serious? Get going. Get to him. He, he dies. He let him die. Jesus let Lazarus die. Yeah, one reason was so that he could reveal his power and his identity. So that people would believe. But I think another reason was this. It says something about the way God is in relation to us. And this may be a little hard to hear. But I think it's this. He lets us die. He doesn't intervene as much as we like. This freedom he gives us, man, it is pure freedom. You know, we love freedom. We believe in it. We're in a, we come from a nation based, born out of desire for freedom. But you know what? None of us really is 100% pure with freedom. We know it's valuable. We know it's precious. We know it's a gift. But hey, as soon as your little kid is about to do something dangerous, you snatch the freedom away in a heartbeat. No freedom for you because you're going to hurt yourself. So it, we, 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 we take freedom away. God doesn't. Here's the difference between us and one of the differences between us and God. He doesn't take away this freedom. So he does allow terrible things to happen. Think about it. Think about some situation, some person who you prayed for. Prayers were said, masses were offered, rosaries and novenas were, were made and said for this person's recovery. And it didn't happen. I think this gospel says this. God is really not so much about rescue. He's about redemption. We want God to be like this SWAT guy in the sky, this, you know, ninja, Navy SEAL guy in the sky who swoops down and rescues us. He's, he's not really that. Doesn't mean we shouldn't pray. Doesn't mean we shouldn't hope for rescue, hope for healing. We should. Because miracles do happen, but very often not the ones we're hoping for, right? Think about it. Think about the miracles you prayed for and didn't quite get. God's not so much about rescuing, he's about redeeming. He's about heaven. He's like, you know that person you prayed for, who you wanted to live and didn't, like Lazarus? He's in heaven forever. And if he could, he wouldn't even come back. That's how awesome life is for him now. And that's what Jesus wanted us to hear. That's what he wanted the people to believe. And I think that's why he raises this guy from the dead. Come on, Lazarus died again. It wasn't like Lazarus became immortal. He's not just roaming around now at 2,000 years old somewhere in Bethany. He's long dead. Death is a part of life. And... It's like, what does God do when, when, when death is happening? Maybe what Jesus did in this gospel. He cries. It says he wept in the midst of all this. He cries his eyes out. A part of me would be like, what are you crying for? If you had shown up two days earlier, 
He'd be alive and you wouldn't be blubbering. God doesn't intervene as much as we like. God lets us die. And when we do, he weeps. When evil happens, when tsunamis hit, when earthquakes occur, when the bad guys seem to win, when they do win in, in individual moments, God weeps. We wish he'd swooped down. We wish he'd rescued the, mo the moment. He just redeems us. Not just. There's nothing bigger than redemption. Nothing matters more than redemption. I think it's this. It's like God has the last word. God has the last word. You ever have an argument with somebody and they always have to have the last word? Like they just, you know, you're back and forth and you think it's over and then bam, they say one more thing. It's like, why do you have to have the last word? God has the last word. And it's this. Heaven. To the boy on the beach. To the 9-11 fireman. To your son. To your wife. To your brother. To your daughter. To your best friend. The ones who didn't make it. They made it. Because God has the last word. They made it. They won. And one day, so do we. There's your miracle. All right, so we've got the man himself, Father Brian Barr. <laughs> Father, uh, this is our first of hopefully many podcasts we're doing. Uh, hopefully we've got some listeners out there, but our goal here is to really just try to reach out as many people as possible, uh, especially those who don't have the pleasure of being in the area but still want to listen to your homilies. That's number one. But keep in touch with the church. I mean, um, I mean, how do you feel about how the church is moving in regards to using social media and reaching out to people? Sure. Well, hey, it's great to be here, number one. Thanks. Um, hey, I don't know how you can argue against it, really. Uh, you know, we hear often a lot in church about the new evangelization. And, um, you know, really what that, what that says is it's, we got to find, always be looking for new ways of communicating sort of timeless truths, uh, truths that are 2,000 years old or even beyond that. Um, they're never going to change. They're always true. But what does change is the ways in which we get the truth out, you know, communicate the message. So uh, things like this, it just sounds to me like are a great way of doing it and kind of exciting. Very exciting. Uh, and uh, no, no better way to start off than right before Easter, right? <laughs> totally. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. I mean, just talking about Easter, uh, we're obviously in Lent right now. Uh, we've had a Lenten mission over here at St. Mary's. Uh, it's been a set of three Thursdays, two are in the books right now. Um, if you could just talk really quickly about how the last two talks have gone. Uh, we had, you know, Mike and Tom Griffin and Andrew Santos here from St. Mary's um, doing talks. So how have they gone? They've gone really well. They've been great nights. Uh, let's see, the first night was uh, Tom. Tom spoke. Tom uh, teaches down at uh, Long Beach Catholic. He's a uh, middle school religion. Great guy. Um, and let's see, the following week was Andrew, Andrew Santos, who's our director of religious ed here. They're both, both of those guys are involved with uh, youth ministry as well. So just being able to have, <clears throat> I mean, I guess the nights are, 
well, they're great for a bunch of reasons. One is, I guess, first and foremost, we're in the church with the Eucharist present, Christ. Um, we're not, unlike, you know, most of the time we're, when we're at Mass and when we're talking about the Eucharist, we're literally receiving the Eucharist. We consume the Eucharist Sunday Mass. Um, but what we do on these nights is it's not the Mass, but it's adoration. So we, we have the Eucharist, you know, there's a consecrated bread, bread that's already been consecrated. It's in the tabernacle and we, we take it out and we kind of just sit in the presence of it. A um, little bit like when you're, uh, you know, think of your best friend or, you know, in your case, think of your wife, you know, think of, think of people that you just love being with. Um, you know, it doesn't always have to be like, you know, what'd you guys do or, you know, where'd you go or what'd you talk about? A lot of times it's just, I just like being with this person. Um, sometimes you can be, you know, 20 minutes and not even say a word with each other. It's just, kind of being together and there's a there's a lot of power in that um so if you take that principle and if you think about jesus like man the the, the possibility or the, the prospect of just being in his presence um the the power of that and the effect of that so that's what you have with adoration and then what we do and this is where the church is so great you, you take that experience and you you kind of wrap it in beauty um great music you know we're very really lucky here at st mary's just to have some some really top-notch uh musicians and singers uh who just i just think they bring the experience to just another level um and then you got the message you know you got these three three guys young guys in their in their 20s completely uh dialed into their faith um but also very much you know of the world as well um just kind of people you just you enjoy their company, you enjoy being with them, and they're, they're men of faith, and they know how to speak to, well, they know how to speak to everybody, but in maybe a unique way or particular way, young people. Um, and then just the church, sort of the environment of the church, kind of, we kind of like lower the lights, and you just create a, I don't know, kind of an intimate and very prayerful experience. So you, you put all these together, uh, and then just the, the company of the community, the, or the, the, the gathering of people of faith, and we're there for, I don't know, just shy of an hour maybe. And uh, hey, people are loving it. You know, they're, they're, they're coming out of, the, out of church just saying, oh, this is the best and thanks and I'll be back next week. So it is next week. Uh, the last of, of these three, like you said, will be uh, this coming Thursday night and uh, 7.30. So if, if anybody can get out there for it, come on, make it down. It will, uh, you're not going to regret it. You're not going to regret it. Yeah, that's great. And so you said uh, Tom and Andrew have already spoken. So it's uh, Mike Griffin up to bat this Thursday, right? Yep. Yep. Excellent. Okay. Um, so basically the way that these uh, podcasts are going to go is uh, we're asking you, the listeners, to really send in any questions that you have. Uh, if you're present, if you're there for Father Brian's homilies and you have a question specific to the homily, uh, send it in. Uh, if you have a question basically just about our faith in general, send it in because uh, the more questions... Uh, the more variety that we have to choose from. Um, again, you could send all questions to beachcatholicpodcast at gmail.com, or you could send us a message on Facebook, facebook.com slash beachcatholicpodcast. And typically we're going to be using multiple questions, uh, but Father, if it's all right with you, we, we got one question in from, um, uh, from a woman, and there are so many parts to this question that I feel like we could talk about this question and dive into it. Uh, just for this one alone. Um, so I'm going to read the, the full question right now. Sure. Um, she writes, 
Many homilies that you speak about during your masses talk about forgiving those who have wronged us. And this makes me think of personal relationships with my family where I've experienced pain because of the way that they've treated me and I have not been able to allow these people back into my life. I feel guilty for not being able to have relationships with these people any longer because I want to be a good person, but they've truly let me down and I know that they're not sorry for how they've treated me. So my question is to what extent are we supposed to allow people back into our lives that may be truly toxic to us? I understand a lot of their behavior stems from jealousy, but no one has ever reached out to apologize. So I know they feel they have done nothing wrong and therefore will not be held accountable for their actions. Am I supposed to forgive them anyway and have a relationship with them? So, so Father, obviously a very long question. Um, a lot, a lot of branches to this one. So, sure. I, I mean, if, if we could just break this down, because I think it's a great question. I think it's an amazing question just because I think it'll relate to a lot of us and to a lot of our listeners. So, I mean, I guess the first real question is, is if you could just touch about forgiveness, you know, we, we hear about forgiveness all the time. So um, just uh, sure. what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it, it is a great question and it's, um, it's a tough question or, not so much that the question is tough, but the uh, the challenge of, of forgiving is tough. I mean, I, I I think maybe in some ways this might be the toughest part of being Christian. God, it's when he tells us we, we have to forgive and we have to kind of forgive forever, always. I think a lot of times for priests, these are, these are probably the, among the tougher gospels you have to preach about because everybody can relate. Everybody's got somebody in their life that they have a very tough time with and they've been hurt by and you know they just they either they've they've given up they've given up on even trying to reconcile with the person and then they hear the gospel and that kind of makes them uncomfortable and then maybe the priest says a few more words which kind of probes the you know pushes the point even more and then they're back in this sort of like oh, i don't know maybe i got it maybe i gotta try um you know, there's like a bunch of gospels where that's just these, you know, forgive your enemies, pray for your persecutors. How many times am I supposed to forgive? You know, basically always, you're always supposed to forgive. I remember after, um, it's crazy, the timing on the Sunday, it was the Sunday after 9-11, 15 years ago, the gospel, it was one of those gospels. It was like a, a love your enemy gospel. And it's like, I think every priest everywhere just almost wanted to skip that one that weekend because it was you know, it was only days after 9-11 and, and people were just not thinking about forgiveness. And uh, that was the last thing on their minds. And so it was tough. It's, uh, it, it's tough stuff. Um, but if Jesus calls us to it, we, we can't run from it. I'm thinking of the, there's a scene in, uh, remember in, remember Home Alone? Um, you know, the movie with uh, Macaulay Culkin and yeah. great, great yeah. Christmas movie. Uh, classic. <laughs> it is a classic. I love it. I love it. And uh, it's kind of the point of the movie where he, the kid, Kevin, goes into the church. He's, uh, he's been home alone for a while, and he's been loving it. He's just been loving having nobody around and the house to himself. But now it's starting to get a little old. He's beginning to miss everybody, and he ends up going into the church. He's sitting there, and there's a children's choir rehearsing for Christmas Mass, and his next-door neighbor shows up and stands next to him and Kevin kind of looks up at him and he's afraid of this guy. Kevin is afraid of this sort of like these false legends about this guy and the kids in the block are afraid of him. Anyway, the old guy engages Kevin and they, they talk back and forth. 
And, it's, and the old man says, you know, you don't have to be afraid of me. Um, you can say hello when you see me and the stuff they've been saying about me, you know, it's not true. So he kind of breaks down this barrier. But then he, he explains why he's in the church, the old man. He's in the church because he's listening to his granddaughter. And the reason he's, he's, he's there is because he doesn't really have a relationship with her because he got in a fight with his son years before and they separated as a result. So he doesn't even know his granddaughter. Um, because he's got no relationship with his son, he has none with his granddaughter. So this is the only way that he really relates to her is literally sort of from a distance in the church. And uh, he's telling the Kevin that, the kid, and, and Kevin's got like this confused look on his face. And finally, Kevin just says, well, why don't you, why don't you talk to your, your son? Um, and the old guy gets all kind of flustered and uncomfortable looking and He's like, wow, you know, I couldn't do that. I, you know, I couldn't do that. And he kind of blows it off. And Kevin looks even more like, all right, I don't know why you can't go talk to him. Anyway, movie goes on. And in the final scene of the movie, spoiler alert, but it's also like a 25-year-old movie. So I guess <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but, people uh, should have had enough time to watch it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the final scene of the movie, Kevin is finally, uh, his family's come home. Everybody's happy. He looks out the window and you see uh, the old man and his son and the little girl walking into the house. So the old guy called his son. He took the advice uh, of the kid. And anyway, I guess the reason I, I mentioned that is I think a lot of times what keeps us from forgiving each other, sometimes it's just fear. It's like fear of, we're afraid to forgive. We're afraid to you know, engage or re-engage the person that hurt us. And I think such so, sometimes in life and, and not always, but sometimes it's just, man, if I just, if I just reached out to the person, you know, if, if, I, if I made a call, if I showed up, if I, you know, somehow just make, make a connection to them, I think more often than not, that would just sort of break down barriers and it would kind of cut through some of the fear that, that keeps us apart. I think another thing, you know, we got in the church, we have the communion of saints. And I, you know, what they're really about is, you know, they're just examples. They're, they're models for us of the people who did it right. The people who just embraced the gospel and kind of lived it to the full. Um, and the church highlights them. The church is sort of just says, learn this person's life. You know, read about the amazing things this she did or he did and try to emulate who they were. Well, uh, give, I mean, uh, give us some examples of, of the people that you're talking about who are, basically walking in Jesus's footsteps. I mean. Yeah. Well, hey, here, here's somebody who's, you know, not even a, a formally declared saint, um, but an amazing person. I mean, he just recently passed away. Yeah, Stephen McDonald, police officer who was killed, um, yeah. you know, in New York City, I guess about 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, well, he wasn't killed. He was, he was paralyzed. He was shot at Central Park and he was paralyzed from the neck down and for 30 years remained in this chair and, um, his life was you know, permanently altered, but uh, found it within himself to, to reach out to the, to the, the kid who, who shot him and, and paralyzed him, and he forgave him. So you look at him, and he let it was sincere. Like, he, he forgave this guy. He, uh, he, he wanted to give him a second shot. And, um, you know, I, I, was, I, I met him a number of times. I don't know if, I don't know if you ever did, but, uh, you know, you just knew you were in the presence of somebody beyond special. Um, Somebody who did it. It wasn't, you know, these words just weren't talk. It wasn't just, it weren't just words. It's, he and his wife 
I think really embraced the gospel. You know, you hear these stories about Amish, Amish people. Story I remember hearing not too long ago. I think I mentioned at Mass, there was a tragedy on the road one night. Amish family, they're in a buggy and they're, you know, riding along this country road in, in the Amish country and these kids come up behind them and it's whatever, a Friday night, and the car is packed with a bunch of teenagers. They can't get past the buggy, they're trying to and they finally gun it. And as they're passing the buggies, a kid in the back throws something out, like a, a heavy, blunt object, and ends up, you know, it's just a stupid, thoughtless act, prank, and ends up hitting the, 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 the Amish boy in the, and kills him. Uh, it's a horrendous story. And then, uh, you know, made the, made the news, you know, big, big story. And the parents of, these, of this boy who died, you know, testified on behalf of the kid who killed their son. Um, and just said, you know, we want mercy for this kid. You know, what he did was ridiculously thoughtless and forever will change, has changed all of our lives, but he needs a second chance, you know? And they're just, they're people who, you know, remember the Amish shooting in the, in the schoolhouse years ago? Same thing. He's like the following day, I think these people showed up at the, the home of the, the widow, the man of the, of the guy who killed these kids. And so there are people who just, they take these, they, they, they hear the words of Jesus and they just, they live it. They live it. Um, I mean, that's, that's just not easy to do at all. I mean, you're giving examples and, and very hardcore examples of, of, you know, these people who, who can find in their hearts to forgive. But I, I mean, it's easier said than done. <laughs> I mean, it's well, crazy. hey, it's, it's totally easier said, easier said than done. I mean, hey, maybe the reality is it's, uh, Stephen McDonald is is here and I'm over here. We're not, you know, somewhere between Stephen McDonald's example and, and where I'm living, where I'm at is, is where I got to get, you know, I, and, and maybe, you know, maybe I'm not there yet. Maybe I'm not able to forgive the way these Amish people did, but I know that's the direction to go. Um, the more I can do that, the more free uh, I think I become. And then you got, then you just ultimately got Jesus' example. You know, he's, he's, betrayed and ratted out by two of his two of the, the 12 apostles that he picked he picked them by the way you know and you got peter denying who he is and you have judas uh turning him over and you know there's the gospel where he after he's he's been crucified and he's risen he comes back and this is the scene when remember when thomas uh, st thomas wasn't there all the apostles are hanging out in the room jesus shows up uh this is like kind of the, the doubting thomas story but when Jesus shows up um, three times, he says to these guys, peace, peace be with you. Like, you know, he keeps repeating the same point. I suspect it was because these guys must have felt awful and must have been cowering in the corner of the room because of what they had done, their betrayal, their denial, their just sort of, sort of shameful, shameful uh, track record. And what I love about the story is um, he doesn't fire any of them. He doesn't, he doesn't give up on any of them. He, I mean, look at what happens to Peter. Peter goes from being sort of this frightened kind of coward to becoming a, a hero, a hero of the church, a hero martyr of the church. Jesus doesn't give up and Jesus forgave. So, you know, he is, there's, there's the ultimate example. And if he, if he did it, we've got to at least try. I guess, I think maybe the big challenge is, when people just sort of say, "Hey, I'm done. Like, I'm not even. I'm not even going to try. Like, I'm not. I'm not even going to try to make it an outreach to this person. Or, or if somebody says they're sorry, somebody seeks forgiveness and 
you know, the walls go up. I don't know. I mean, that's just something we can't be comfortable with. I mean, I mean, going back to the the, the writer's question, uh, I mean, she asked, am I supposed to forgive them anyway? So inevitably the answer is yes, or, or try your hardest to do so. Uh, but I'm going to go back to the first question that she asks. Um, to what extent are we supposed to allow people back into our lives that may truly be toxic to us? Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but forgiving somebody and letting them back into your lives, are those one and the same? Are those two completely different things? Or, or what do you think about that? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think the, I think the, the you kind of nuanced it further. I, you know, I don't think it's the same necessarily. Um, I do think, and I think the, the words that she used, like, Toxic, um, you know, a very strong word. Toxic. I think it's right. a perfect word to, to describe how some of us feel. Right. Totally. You know, when if something is toxic, you stay away from it because it's it's going to make you sick or worse. Um, and I do think I do think at times in the course of life, you do meet people who uh, you know they are kind of toxic. They just you can't get past some of their shortcomings. They can't. Um, it's sort of like you tried, I've made attempts here, uh, and it just seems to be kind of a train wreck every time I, um, I reach out or re-engage a person. And I do think there's times when you just, you kind of have to cut your losses because it's sort of like when, when, I, when I am with this person, when I engage this person, uh, I, I leave with regrets because I've now said stuff that I wish I hadn't. You know, I got pulled into it. Um, and I'm, it's just like sometimes, Hey, you know, there's a, there's the gospel, the gospel where Jesus is, a, it's the discipleship gospel. He's, he's telling the, the apostles how to go out and how to, how to do ministry. Basically, you know, it's the one where he says, you know, uh, go two by two. And when you go travel light, don't bring a lot of junk with you. Just go out and be out and evangelize. It's interesting. He does say that. You know, when you knock on somebody's door and they slam the door in your face or they ultimately say, uh, no good, he says, uh, you know, wipe the dust from your feet and uh, move on. Like, there is an acknowledgement. I love that piece, too. Like, there is a, it's a bit of a reality dimension there where Jesus does acknowledge that, listen, we're not going to, you swing for the fences all the time. You're just not always going to connect. There are going to be people at times who just, you have to move on. Uh, is that sad? Yep. Is it uh, less than ideal? You bet. Uh, is it maybe something that we should, I think we should probably never completely give up on the possibility with a particular person, but maybe right now, because of what this other person is going through and what they're seemingly incapable of, of being, it's just, it's just not going to happen right now. Sometimes, hey, sometimes distance uh, can be a good thing. Um, again, I think, you know, none of this is ideal. None of it's perfect, but come on, life isn't perfect. Uh, so, yeah, I do think, I think we got it. We think when we, you know, if you're going to declare somebody toxic, you better be pretty sure they're toxic and you better be pretty sure that you really tried. Like you really, you really you know, if I'm if I get in an argument with somebody and the next day I'm like, all right, toxic, I'm done with this person forever. <laughs> all right, that's come on. I mean, that's not I'm not trying at all, but you know, I think we've all probably known people and been in relationships of some kind where, yeah, maybe you just realize this is just this is costing so much, and 
I just, I just, I just don't think it's going to work. You don't give up in the big picture. You don't give up, but maybe in the in the short term, you know, you just you kind of cut your losses and you make the best of it. Great. Well, uh, we definitely want to thank the uh, writer for sending in such uh, a great question. Uh, and I call it a great question. Like I said before, you know, uh, she's definitely not the only one who feels this way. She's definitely not the only one in this situation. I'm sure that this situation relates to uh, a lot of people out there. So thank you so much for the question and uh, yeah. best of luck for sure. Totally. Uh, so before we end, Father, I mean, you know, this Sunday's Palm Sunday, uh, you know, hypothetical situation. I accidentally ate meat one of these Fridays. I cheated on whatever I gave up. Um, I didn't make it to weekly um, uh, mass during the week like I wanted to. So my Lent hasn't been too strong. How can we finish Lent strong? We got about a week and a half left, Father. Well, you know, number one is the first point. It's not. It's not over. Uh, if we're talking Palm Sunday, we still got another week to go, and it's it's really the biggest week. It's the most important of them all. Um, so maybe to uh, well, if you if there was uh, something that you really did a goal that you set for the for the back on Ash Wednesday, and like you said, maybe kind of missed the mark here and there, you know, get back in the fight. Number one, just whatever it was, you whatever your goal was, maybe it was uh, something you gave up, some kind of sacrifice or some kind of action, something you wanted to do more of. <clears throat> go after it, even even for the remaining uh, whatever six or seven days. Um, other thing I'd say is, you know, as, as we move further into Holy Week, we got just, you know, wherever, wherever your church is, you, you're going to have these, these great liturgies. Um, Holy Thursday night, you know, so we, we remember and commemorate the, really the first Eucharist, the Last Supper. Um, that's a great liturgy, really powerful. That's when we do the washing of the feet, um, kind of almost reenact that awesome moment, uh, where Jesus just communicated service. You know, it's like we need to be people of service uh, more than anything. Then Good Friday, uh, we all know Good Friday, and it's when we remember the death of Christ. So tapping into, you know, the 3 o'clock service on Friday, or maybe something, uh, most parishes have things in the evening. And then and then either Holy Saturday night or, uh, or the, the Mass is on Sunday, just to, you know, if we were able to, to make all of those, I think that would be a great way to cap off the season uh, of Lent, whether it was a, a really successful one or not, we could make the last week or a couple of days of the week uh, meaningful. Absolutely. Like you said, it's not over. Uh, if anything, we're going to the fourth quarter, right? <laughs> exactly right. Totally. All right. Well, Father, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. And we're looking forward to next week. All right. Thanks, Lawrence. It was great. See you All soon. Right. All right, thanks for listening to this week's show. Once again, if you've got a question for Father Brian, you can send an email to beachcatholicpodcast at gmail.com or you can connect with us at facebook.com slash beachcatholicpodcast. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and feel free to share with your loved ones. We'll be back next week and until then, God bless.